Um, so I approached the slumber party, trying to find a spot to lay down. <laughs> and one of the inmates that's up, he wake two people up to make room for me, and they do. So they had me set my bowl and my uh, spoon in the cubby, and then I lie down on the wood between two Chinese men, and I set my arms, my hands on my chest, and I'm standing up at the bright light on the ceiling. And that's when reality fully kicked in for me. And it was just like, hey, boy, you in here. You in here. Like, this is real. Nobody knows you're here. You don't know how long you're going to be here. Right, right. We don't know how, this, how the jail operates. We don't know how this process works. It's not looking too good. Uh, but we got to hold ourselves accountable. Welcome to the Audacious Living Podcast, hosted by my man, Audley Stevenson, the odd man. He'll unpack wisdom and insights from a cross-section of top quality performers in business, media, sports, entertainment, and lifestyle to uncover key elements to help you live your best audacious life ever. So without further ado, here is The Odd Man. Greetings and salutations, folks. It's Audley Stevenson back for another edition of the most audacious podcast the internet has to offer. This is the Audacious Living Podcast, and I appreciate you for being here as we continue our ongoing goal of helping our listeners live their best audacious lives ever. As always, I encourage you to follow us on our social media channels. We're on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook under the handle The Audacious Pod. Or if you're subscribing to us on YouTube, or if you're following, watching this episode on YouTube, I should say. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube, then you can subscribe to our channel by simply tapping that bell down below. Ding, ding, ding. And that uh, you are connected to all good things audacious related. Now, uh, many of us already know this, but our lives are made up of a series of choices, and every single one of those choices comes with a consequence that will undoubtedly have no choice but to accept. It's inevitable, but at some point or another, we're all going to come face to face with the consequences of our actions. Now, Chancellor Jackson is my guest on this episode of the Audacious Living Podcast, and he understands this very, very well. You see, as a young man, Chancellor was looking for a, an exciting life of travel, and it started for him in Beijing, China, where he accepted a teaching job. Unfortunately, the experiences was a short, was experience was a short-lived one, and uh, Chancellor, you know, found himself uh, locked up behind bars in a Beijing prison, where he would spend the next fourteen days, and this would essentially frame what his experience of China would be. When that ordeal came to an end, he would take his experiences, chronicle them in a book entitled. 14 Days in Beijing. Chancellor is here to talk about his book, what he had to endure in that Beijing prison, and the lessons he learned along the way. So with all that being said, uh, here's my chat with Chancellor Jackson. Enjoy. Chancellor, my friend, thank you for joining me here on the Audacious Living Podcast. It's always a pleasure uh, to, to chat with people. And I appreciate you making the time to do this, my man. 
Hey, man, appreciate you for having me, Ollie. Blessings and balance to you and blessings and balance to everyone that's tuning in right now. For sure, for sure, for sure. Thank you, and uh, absolutely, I concur uh, wholeheartedly. Now, um, we're, 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 we're going to talk about. Uh, well, I want. I mean, there's a whole. I think we could talk about a whole bunch of things. Really, I mean, we can talk about your book and all your experiences. But um, and maybe, maybe let's kind of jump into your experience and what led you to write the book. Fourteen days in Beijing. Um, you'll, you'll see the title. Maybe my figure like a vacation book, and it talks about all the good things that happened in Beijing. That wasn't your story, but I do think what came out of that as some really powerful lessons about appreciation and gratitude and and and, and staying and, and perseverance. I'm sure that all those things are contained. So maybe let's talk about um, you know you you going to Beijing and being and you were detained and that was a life changing event for you. I wonder. I don't want to take away from your story. I want you to tell it for sure. So. Um... I landed my first job after I graduated from college, um, teaching English to children in China. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's how I ended up in Beijing. Um, I was supposed to be there for a whole year. That's how long my contract was set for, but I only ended up doing six months due to me being, you know what I'm saying, of course, arrested and then, you know what I'm saying, locked up. But um, once I was released and deported from the country, I came back to America, um, and I really didn't start writing the book until like two, three months later. Like it was okay. a, over the summer, 2019. That's when I started writing 14 Days in Beijing. And I knew I wanted to do something with the story because I'm like, that's a crazy story. I went through it for a reason, so I right. know I share it. I just, I ain't know how. Um, but one of my friends that I grew up with, he was a published author before we graduated high school in 2014. He was like, hey, bro, you should write a book about the experience. And I was like, damn. That's a good ass idea. <laughs> like, yeah, that's a great idea. Where do I start? I have no clue. Um, so he threw me another alley oop and took my phone, went in my notes, and left a, f- a brief outline: opening scene, following scene, climax, following scene, conclusion. You know what I'm saying? Like very brief, like that. And I just went in and opening scene. All right, I just like I'm start from the very that, that morning when I right. woke up, and right. I just started started from there and just started was that's how I started the writing process and. Once I caught a flow of how I wanted to tell the story, I moved it from my notes to a Google Doc so I could type it up. And then four months later, the story was written and then an additional six months just to get it, you know what I'm saying, ready for publishing. Impressive. And, um, while I was still on pre-sale, uh, I was writing number one new bestseller in three different genres. Amazing. Amazing. So obviously a good story. So you went to Beijing to, to teach English. Yeah. What happened? Um, so, to give you more of a background of how Beijing was, uh-huh. I entered China on October tenth, twenty eighteen, um, and it was a transition. Of course, you're know saying getting adjusted. To, I mean, that's a whole complete. That's the other side of the world, a different world in a sense. You're know saying so. Just getting adjusted. It took me about a month and a half. But once okay. I got fully adjusted and. You know what I'm saying? We moved into our apartment. Our money's rolling in. Best experience ever. (laughs) I highly recommend everybody travel abroad for sure. But you can't really get a feel for the land in a matter of days or, you know what I'm saying? Like you need to submerge yourself in that land for a good bit of time. So I encourage everybody to live abroad um, at least one point in time in your life. And it don't got to be long. Like right. I did six months in China and I got a full experience in China. So it don't take, you know what I'm saying? You got to be out there too too long. Right. Um, definitely get your feet wet in a different 
land. Um, you'll learn a lot about yourself, um, uh, the course of different culture, but most importantly, life in general and yes. how drastically different it is no matter where you are. Even if we talking, I'm from Atlanta, Georgia, born and raised. Yeah. Right. The west side of Atlanta is completely different from the east. That's it. Yeah. Different from the north and the south. So it's just like we talking about how subtle these differences are based on one city yes. in America. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That ain't nothing but down the road. That's it. That's now, it. Yeah. Take that perspective and apply it to a global aspect. And it's just like, bro. That's different. It is different everywhere you go. Wow. Everywhere you go. So it's like, how can one say what is the right or wrong way of pursuing this life? Yep. Yeah. Really, you know what I'm saying? There's so many, there's so many differences. So that's why you know what I'm saying definitely encourage everybody to, you know what I'm saying, travel and yeah. in the time abroad. So China's absolutely amazing. I enjoyed the people. Yep. Customer service I ever experienced, hands down. Yep. Uh, for real. Um, I enjoy working with the kids. Kids are kids no matter where you go. Yes, they are. No matter what side of earth, hey, kids are kids. That's a great point. But we yeah, you know what I'm saying? We we was mainly our lessons are pretty much games, just to keep them engaged. So of course, yeah, I'm I'm being a former athlete, all my games is competitions. We're gonna run, we're gonna jump, we're gonna see who athletic. All right, we're gonna be we're gonna turn this thing up. Sure, sure. So you know what I'm saying? I enjoy teaching. Um, of course, exploring Beijing, the food mm -hmm. was absolutely amazing. Authentic Chinese food is superb. Um, and so, yeah, I was just living my best life. You know what I'm saying? Experience all that Beijing had to offer. And then on April 4th, 2019. How, how, how old are you? I want to get to how old are you now at this point? 22. 22, Young no, 22, 23. Young yeah. man living a life. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, exactly. You know, it really felt, the whole experience, like we kept equating it, like, bro, it feel like we're still in college. Like, this feels like we're part of sure. like some you know what I'm saying? A study abroad program or something. Like, this don't feel real. Like, even, like, doing our everyday things. Like, bro, we've been in the subway. I was like, bro, I feel like we're on a movie set right now. This right, still right. seem like, like, we out here for real. Like, this is crazy. Um, So, China was lit. And then on April 4, 2019, I was uh arrested for yeah. cannabis, possession of cannabis. Okay. So, I was at my apartment pre-gaming before getting ready to head to the event. Um, for those that don't know what pre-gaming is, say you and some friends finna go out on a night full of festivities. Y'all gonna hit the clubs, bars, whatever. Y'all yeah, gonna yeah. Go But before y'all go out, we're gonna meet at so-and-so house and right. we're gonna turn up at their house first. And then we're gonna go out and turn up even more. So yes, 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 yes. I'm pre-gaming at the apartment by myself, listening to my music, um, drinking some Chinese uh, liquor. Smoke some cannabis in my little silver pipe that I'm not too fond of, despite it getting the job done. Mm -hmm. And I get done, getting dressed. I'm getting ready to leave. I hear a knock at the door. And guests aren't unfamiliar, so curious to see who it is. I look through the peephole, and on the other side of the door stood three officers from the Beijing police. Okay. Um, of course, I'm, sh I'm shook, but I'm not, you know what I'm saying? I'm shook, but it's like, this isn't their first time just showing up to the apartments randomly they've done it before i've done it to right. plenty of other peers out there so i'm like okay this is clearly a routine um and mainly they just come to check your documents and make sure you are who you say you are you ain't sure, no sure. i'm like okay let me put everything up open the door um they question me about drugs now i'm from the city of atlanta it's the city of finesse you live by the finesse you die by the finesse 
So I'm like, drug, nah, bro, what you talking about? You tripping? What? Passport? Let me go grab my passport. You, you got me somebody else. So I go grab all my documentation, bring it back to me. Right. Um, he looking over it. The other two officers just scan, scoping the apartment out. Um, time passes, and another officer is entering the apartment, and he has something in his hand. He hands that item to the officer I was originally speaking to, and that officer communicates to me that I need to pee into the cup. So it was a drug test right there on the spot. Okay. I was like, oh, yeah, it's over with. <laughs> right then and there, I was like, yeah, it's over with. So do the drug test, fail the drug test, of course. Yeah. Now they, you know what I'm saying? Now, at this point, it's about eight officers in the apartment. One of them in particular speaks English fluently. And okay. he pretty much questioned me about failing the drug test. When was the last time I smoked? Who I get weed from? Da, 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 da. So, like I stated before, I'm from the city of Finesse. So, you live by the finesse, you die by the finesse. So I'm just, first thing that's, you know what I'm saying? I'm just shooting shit with ops, pretty much. You know what I mean? Right. Then once he, we going back and forth, going back and forth. And he realized, well, I guess he, he realized I wasn't going to give him anything that he could work with. Um, he pretty much just made it clear that, you know what I'm saying? The straight was up. I was pretty much just hanging on to the hope that, you know what I'm saying? They don't come across the rest of my stash and, that they do whatever with me, you know what I'm saying? Or whatever, right. you know what I'm saying? That's, I feel the drug test, but however that process play out, that's how it's going to play out. But he made it clear and evident that they knew I had more um, and that the charade was up. So now, as soon as he made that clear, like it, it, it caught red-handed, all the anxiety and stress that I was feeling, and I'm yeah. still hot. <laughs> I'm still geeked up, but all the stress and anxiety, all that shit just completely, right. it's like, okay, I died by the finesse this time. It is what it is. I live to finesse another day. Now I have to hold myself accountable. Accountability mm -hmm. must yep. take. Um, so we fess up to it. Um, they want me to show them where I hit my stash. So I get up to show them where I put my stash. But lo and behold, once I get there, everything is on display. It's been discovered. They, Like I said, they're just trying to see if they can get any more information out of me. So they right. collect everything, um, handcuff me, and then escort me out the building and send me down into the, the van. The police van. Um, we get to one precinct there briefly. Then we get back in the van. Now, at the, as soon as the cuffs are on me, all forms of communication are gone. Gotcha. Now, so now I really don't know what's going to happen. Can't really talk to these two officers because I already know it's a language barrier. And yep. just from what I've learned or just been told how to go about law enforcement in America, you just keep your mouth closed. So I'm not talking at all. <laughs> you know what I mean? So mm -hmm. there's no more communication. So I don't know what's happening. So we had this one precinct. I'm just sitting down and it's the typical scene you see, uh, uh movies and TV shows when they bring in new arrests and sit right. down. You got the officers on desk duty is that yep. typical, thing, but the Chinese version. So just right. imagine I'm the only brother in here. Yep. <laughs> yep. I was only, um, and I'm just sitting there just reflecting, just reflecting, replaying everything, the whole sure. scenario and everything leading up until this moment. And just like, just like, damn, but this is happening. Yes. <laughs> we don't know what's going to We don't know how this is going to play out. But I know deep in my spirit, I'm going to be good. I'm going to be good when it's all said and done. Mm. It's going to be interesting to see how it play out, though. Um, so just take note of every minor detail because it's going to be a great story to tell once you're yep. out of this predicament. Right. Right, and right. Enjoy this hot one last time because we don't know what the hell <laughs> for real. So, so they come get me and we get back in the van. Okay. I'm like, okay, where are we going? 
I'm saying? I, don't, I really don't know what's going on now. So we ride it. We get to another precinct. Now they uh, had me change clothes and put me in a holding cell with about eight other Chinese dudes. And come get me shortly afterwards, take me downstairs to the basement of the precinct to do my official interrogation. And this is dramatic within the book just because they locked me into this all metal chair that looks like an electric chair just to conduct the interrogation. But by this time I've had a good plenty of time to come up with a good story to finesse them with. So yeah. you know what I'm saying? My, I'm assuming my story was good. So, you know what I'm saying? After the interrogation was done, they released me from the chair, had me sign, assign a document I couldn't read. Right. And, and then <laughs> took me back upstairs to do my mug shot handprint. And wow. then they put me back in the holding cell. And now hours and hours have passed. My high is finally coming down. Um, you know, now I'm fading in and out of consciousness. Yeah. And then, so I wake up from them coming to get me from the holding cell. They pray, take me back to the lobby, bring yeah. me my back to the clothes, tell me to get dressed. Okay. I'm like, hey, see, look, you got them. Look, you be compliant. You know what I'm saying? You work with it. You know what I'm saying? Finesse these folk, you work your one. Hey, right. and then you know what I'm saying? Energy is everything. I was positive. You know what I'm saying? Right. For sure. Cool. I get my throw my clothes on. I'm just waiting for the next set of orders. Yep. So they had me follow them through a door that's behind the front desk. Okay. So after we enter through the door, and now we're in the hallway. At the end of the hallway, it's a small room crowded with officers. So I'm following the officer to this room. And as I enter, I can only assume that this is some form of evidence room, just because I see evidence bags okay. all over. No sense of organization. It's just just hoarded, you know what I'm saying? Just bunches, just shit everywhere. Yeah. Yep. Um, in front of me is the table, and the center of the table is everything that's confiscated from my apartment. To the right is TV monitors where they watch the footage from the officer's body cameras. Um, so they take the weed and they wait up right there in front of me, which is interesting. Um, this is an interesting phase in the book just because one, you never see a herd of any type of law enforcement weighing up whatever you got caught with in front of you. That's yeah. interesting. One, two, as a reader, you're actually curious to know how much does he actually have on him? <laughs> and right. then three, like I said, once those handcuffs on me, all forms of communication were non-existent. So for the rest of the story, I don't know what is going on. I'm just learning as I go. And I don't know how long I'm going to be here. Nobody knows I'm here. Nothing has been explained to me, and I can't. I'm not asking questions, nor, but I really can't even ask questions because right. it's a language barrier. So, right. um, with that being said, the universe, my ancestors, the higher powers, the guardian angels, wherever you want to refer to them as, were sending me messages and signs, letting okay. me know how long this process would be and how it would play out. Um, and this was the very first sign they gave me. So, the officers weighed the weed up in front of me. And it totals out to be 1.4 grams. Okay. Now, for those that partake in cannabis, you know, 1.4 grams ain't, na- ain't nothing at all. If you don't partake in cannabis, we're talking units of measurement. 1.4 grams of anything <laughs> isn't a lot. So I really have nothing but personal use for real. Um, right. And But that number, 1.4, it's a decimal. If you take away that decimal, that point, what number do you get? 14. I love the book 14 days in Beijing. So that was one of the very first signs and really the only signs that I received live in action. Um, let me know how the process would play out. Um, right. the other, uh, messages I got or signs came through my dreams. 
Um, so that was a very that was the only live action one that I got. So they put everything on paper on contract, give it to me to sign and thumbprint, and now we get back in the van. Right. Okay. And you don't know where you're going. I'm like, I'm in my, I'm fully dressed. Like I'm regularly dressed. You're rolling. Dressed. You're I'm, rolling. Like, I'm like, hey, I've been in custody all day. I work with y'all. I've been compliant. Energy's been good. I'm like, there's no way they're not taking me home at this point. Um, so we riding, riding. About 40 minutes pass, and we arrive at a facility detailed with tall walls and barbed wire. And I was like, oh, this yeah. shit getting started. <laughs> so um, we enter the facility, go to the nurse's office, do a quick uh, physical. Then they put me in my official uniform, give me a plastic bowl and a plastic spoon. And then they take me upstairs to the second floor and we went to where the men in the house and we get to sell 209. Mind you, it's like four o'clock in the morning at this point. So I've been in custody all day. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, haven't eaten nothing, drank nothing, nothing. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so um, yo, the CEO opens the door. Instantly, my psych is thrown just based on the setup of the sale and what I see. Um, the setup of the sales number, the big box, a rectangle per se. Um, I say 25, probably about 25 by 25, or like 25, but like 15 by 15. Like it's length with height is not that big of a space. Just right, a right. box to house the people that are in there. Um, so I take a step into the cell and it's a little walkway. I say probably about a yard before um, the beds start and the beds stretch all the way right. to the back of the cell. And the beds are number wooden bunks with cubbies up underneath each one. Um, so lying on the bunks are just a huddle of body sleeping. And in the book, I describe it as a slumber party. Like back in the day when we had sleepovers as kids, y'all got to make room, got to sleep head, foot, all that. That's what it looked like. But these, yeah, that's what it looked like. Um, and across from the huddle of body sleeping or the slumber party per se, were two inmates, Chinese inmates, wide awake, standing up against the wall, watching them sleep. So... With them being the, you know, what I'm saying the only few individuals up, we of course we make eye contact and we have this awkward moment of just confusion. As far as neither one of us expecting uh, to see what right. was behind the door. <laughs> so, the last thing I expected to see was two motherfuckers watching a bunch of other motherfuckers sleep. What y'all got going on? Last thing they expected was for this brother with locks to come walking through the door. So they looking at me crazy, like, whoa. <laughs> so we just sitting there looking at each other. Right. Um, to the left, of the, uh, to my left, is the bathroom. On separate room, but all the walls made of glass. So everybody yeah. can sit inside. Yeah. And ain't nothing in there but one sink, a squat toilet. So pretty much a hole in the ground that you got to squat over. Yeah. And the shower ain't nothing but a water hose with a shower head duct tape to it. Yeah. Um, black mold coats the walls, gnats and insects flying around. So it's not the most sanitary mm. place. Um, so I approached the slumber party, trying to find a spot to lay down. <laughs> and one of the inmates that's up, he wake two people up to make room for me, and they do. So they had me set my bowl and my uh, spoon in the cubby, and then I lie down on the wood between two Chinese men, and I set my arms, my hands on my chest, and I'm staying up at the bright light on the ceiling. And that's when reality fully kicked in for me. And it was just like, Hey boy, you in here? You in here? Like this is real. Nobody knows you're here. You don't know how long you're gonna be here. Right, right. We don't know how this how the jail operates. We don't know how this process works. 
it's not looking too good. Uh, but we got to hold ourselves accountable. We can't blame nobody for being in this situation but us. It's it's ugly, but hey, hey man, we made a choice and we knew the consequences from it. And now those con consequences have manifested. Hey, we have to live. We you have to take it to the chin. All right, but it ain't no point in crying over spilled milk. So that shit is what it is. Right. Forward, what needs to take place for me to get up out of here? I'm like, well, first thing first, people got to know you in here. All right. So you were supposed to meet some friends and colleagues at that event today. Oh, you know what I'm saying today before you got arrested. Now you didn't show up. I'm sure they called and you ain't answer. Is that a red flag? No. No, you don't show up for your classes. Yeah. My classes uh, Saturday and Sunday morning. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, breaking loose because. They got to find somebody to cover these classes last minute, one. And mm -hmm. one of the colleagues and friends I was going to meet at the event, me and her work at the same school. So mm -hmm. I didn't show up to the event. They call, I answer. Now I ain't showing up for work. And I ain't answering the phone. Right, right. Red flag. Something's wrong. Yep. yep. I was like, All right, I know I'm going to have to at least sit through the weekend before I become missing on people's radar. Yes. So, you know what I'm saying? I'm just going to have to thug it till then. Uh, yeah, man. We was locked up 24 hours a day, seven days a week. 15 men to one cell, nine wooden beds, three soups a day. And all I had was one Tupperware bowl and one plastic spoon for 14 days. Wow. Wow. To, to be able to be in that situation uh, to, and to remain calm and keep your cool, it's not an easy thing. Chancellor, I mean, you're in this foreign country. The language is a barrier. You don't know what's going on. You're not familiar with the rules of protocol. And you're just there. And, 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 and in fact, your steps aren't your own. You're being guided and directed and you just got to follow. Right. And so mm -hmm. that, that, that that's not a simple situation to be in. Um, what what uh, I want to quickly sort of jump ahead here in terms of the, the how, how did the story end? I want to ruin the book, obviously, but I certainly want to be able to like how were you able to to get out of that situation? See, one day they just finally call your name. That's it. He finally call your name to go. You you don't know like it's, you don't know what's going on. <laughs> you don't know what's wow. going. On. You just in there. You don't leave the cell. <laughs> you don't leave the cell. You know what I'm saying? That is your world. You know what I'm saying? Clock on the wall knows your future. Right. Wow. Your freedom is in in his hands. Wow. Second wow. is life. A minute. Eternity. Mm. Mm. Wow. <laughs> so so um. Let's talk a little bit about the lessons that came out of that, that whole that ordeal for you. Um, yeah. I, I heard you talk about, you know, being accountable, uh, yeah. being accountable for your actions and and everything that you've talked about. You've said, yeah, I, this is what it was. And, you know, I'm not I'm not trying to hide from that or not stand up for for what I had done. Um, I'm wondering what else you sort of taken you know, when you think about it. off the top. We talked about appreciation, gratitude. Yeah. Uh, is, is that is that uh, one of the things that uh, you walked away from that, from that situation? Yeah, for sure. Definitely. Um, just, you know what I'm saying? Being grateful for the little things, the little mm -hmm. things that we take for granted. You know what I mean? Um, it isn't until all of those shit is real luxuries. It's not even, it's people that are free that don't even have the luxuries that we have. Like we think about third world countries or very impoverished countries. Yep. And you know what I'm saying? There's a completely different reality. Yep. So um, to have everything taken away from you, even, you know what I'm saying, your ability to, <laughs> like, your ability to, you know what I'm saying, contact people. You can't even make contact with folks. Yeah. 
what I'm saying? So when it's it's not until your back is against the wall like that for you to, you know what I'm saying, appreciate every little thing that we do have that's, you know what I'm saying, just in abundance. You know what I'm saying? It's part of your that's your societal norm. And that's yeah. not even that's a norm for everybody. So <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Shit could always be worse. Always. And we've all experienced worse. We've all been at all time low. Right. So, right. And it's like, bro, if it ain't that, if it ain't worse than that, shit, bro, what you complaining? What you crying for? Right, 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 right. Listen, that that <laughs> that, that line, things could always be worse. That's a big one. Because yeah. uh it's sometimes, you know, we are in our situation, our circumstance, and we can't see nothing beyond that. And because we can't say anything beyond that, we think, you know, this is this is it. And then nothing else matters. And it absolutely can be worse. There's someone I truly believe that uh, uh, that whatever problem that you're going through, situation you're going through, there's someone doing going through the exact same thing. Thanks. So. Thanks. So it's like definitely, you know what I'm saying, just, you know what I'm saying, taking appreciating the little things in, in, as well as the big things. You got to appreciate the little things to appreciate the big things um, for sure. Um, and definitely um, b- before you do travel or go for someplace else, do your research, <laughs> do your research. You know what I'm saying? Make sure you know that land yes. for real, for real. You know what I'm saying? And it'll definitely help if you know somebody from that land um, for sure. That's, that's just icing on the cake then. Um, so everything will be a smooth process. Um wow. And man, a lot of the lessons that I learned was just all personal, for real, for real. Like as far as, so I played football vast majority of my life, high school, and I got to play D1 football down at Stetson University. Yep. So once football came to an end for me, I was hit. I was at a crossroad of like a loss of identity. I didn't know who I was. You know what I'm saying? What was next for me? Um, what did I aspire to be? What were my interests? What do I enjoy doing? Yep. What's my purpose? I couldn't answer any of these questions. Wow. So, but it took, you know what I'm saying? Just, I, I know I got to start somewhere. So I just started applying for jobs. You know what I'm saying? And took the whole job hunting process for eight months and landing interviews, getting told no, to finally getting told yes, to a job that's on the other side of the world, going out there, living my best life, then shit hitting the fan and the guy then getting arrested and locked up and now deported. Now I'm back in, in America and I'm back to square one. Yes. When football first came to an end and I was just like, damn. <laughs> like, yep. well, that is a year later, like, we back to where we were. So it's like, what are we right. going to do next? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? How are we going to bounce back from it? But shit, just me being the resilient person that I am, I can sit here and all those questions that I posed to myself that I couldn't ask before, I can elaborate on them thoroughly. Right. Right. <laughs> I know I who I, you. you know what I'm saying? I found myself. I found my identity. I found my purpose. And now all I'm doing is hustling and motivating, running my marathon while encouraging others to do run their marathons and share their stories and find their purpose in life. I think that's a great, great point because you know, we can go through life and experience these things. And if we can't see like, so, I mean, you know, you use your, in your specific example, if we're not resilient enough to bounce back from things, we can't see anything in front of us because all we see is our problem and our issue. But that resiliency that you talked about, the ability to bounce back, the ability to persevere and push through, it's absolutely critical and vital for us. And that's an important skill to have. 
No, facts. And just my whole journey and everything I've um, set out to do is always, it has not been an easy road. You know what I'm saying? Like I said, I played football. Football was the first love and passion. I ain't started playing football until eighth grade. Wow. So most people have been playing football since they was knee-high to a bullfrog. Yeah. 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 So it's like the developmental piece, physically and mentally, of the game, that's what I was lacking, man, tremendously. Um, so it took me about a year just to catch up with everybody else um, where I can actually start showcasing the talents that I knew I had. And then once I was able to put my talents on showcase and working my way up the ladder, I wasn't even able to start on varsity to midway through my junior year. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? I had to really get it out the mud. And then go all through senior year, starting on varsity, but not having no interest, no college. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Offers nothing. Like, I ain't got nothing going on. Right. Uh, but I knew college playing college football was one of my goals since I started when I first started playing football in eighth grade. So and I definitely wanted to play at a division one level. Uh now, but at that point in time, I'm like, I'm just willing to get in whoever gonna take me. You know what I'm saying? But I'm like, I still ain't even I have nothing. So I gotta figure out something. I gotta get it out of the mud. So I, that was that was an, a challenging process. I had to market myself. My coaches wasn't doing it. I had to do it myself. Yes. I put myself out there and then I landed an opportunity to, you know what I'm saying, get on that session. And I was able to play all four years. Now, right. once I, w- I got my foot in the door, don't mean shit was peaches and cream. Once I got there, now nah, we play it's college for this D1 college football now. So this business, business. So it's really now, it's still, I I had to work my way up that ladder. You know what I'm saying? I'm at the bottom of the bucket. Work my way up that ladder. And you know what I'm saying? So everything I've done, or you know what I'm saying, inspired to do, it's been, I had to get it at the mud. Even when football right. came in, I got to find myself. I got to find something. Yeah. I uh, well, was trial and error. I did this shit for eight months. You know what I'm saying? The whole process of eight months. I finally landed the position. Right. right. Final. Boom. <laughs> Blow up yeah. in my face. It changed big time. Well, and I think that's I think that's the process of life. I mean, if you look at it, life is going to have those up and downs. I oftentimes yeah. use an analogy of the hills and the valleys, right? And you're up in the hill and you're celebrating because life is great and everyone's happy and a good time. But life is still a journey, so you can't stay on that hill forever. And sometimes you do come down the valley where it's hard and it's difficult and it's challenging. Our goal is to figure out a way to get out of that valley as quick as we can so we can get back on the hill. Oh, me. It's the marathon. That's why Nipsey called this thing the marathon. Right. Ain't going to sit here and portray this ultimate poise like I've been had it figured out. No, nah, I just didn't quit. I battled every emotion. You're going you're gonna to face every emotion, you know what I'm saying, on this journey. Right. And the only distinguishing quality between those who have those who are gonna go through this already went through it or um is going through it is that you're not gonna quit. Right. No, absolutely, absolutely. Um it's it's yeah, again, the, the whole idea of just not quitting, it's it's huge for us, right? And we have to be able to 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 fight and push through and get to the other side. Because you know, the other thing I say oftentimes is on the other side is where all our greatness lies. So in your case, the other side was a book. That was a story that you can share with people, right? So it's it's really important. We have to focus on that, no matter how hard difficult things get. Never let a hard time humble us. That's it. That's it. And mm-hmm. so, out of curiosity, Chancellor, was being an author something ever on your radar? Or did you ever think of that? Or everything I'm doing right now, you couldn't tell me I was going to be doing. <laughs> Football came to end. I'm telling you, you couldn't tell me I'd be doing any of this. So absolutely not. Everything I'm doing is just. Like I said, I got to start somewhere. And with that being said, I got to try a bunch of different stuff. 
So it really just been, and but you should try this. Oh, I can. And then I, f- I just have success with it. You know what I'm saying? Right. So me still being in education, I just, damn, teach English in China. I feel like I can, I feel like I can do it. Just trying it out. And but you should write a book about that experience. That's a good ass idea. <laughs> I don't even know how to start, <laughs> but like, that's a good ass idea. Best selling author. <laughs> damn, you coach football. Shit. Yeah, for sure. And well, you try to coach. I mean, I can. Now I'm, I'm in year four. Uh, you know what I'm saying? So now you know what I'm saying, and then coaching at-risk teens um, in yes. my county, kids that got arrested for drugs. So you know what I'm saying, uh-huh. got arrested for doing something hot. And we use 14 days in Beijing as a part of our life lessons to pull our life skills from. So right. and just on that type of time, I own my own publishing company, which all my books wow. are public through, and I also coach aspiring authors now as well. I just started that. Um, I really started it once. I started, you know what I'm saying, 14 days started going crazy. People started reaching out to me then. But um, as far as make, actually making the service, I just started that. And pretty much working with those that have ideas or concepts or stories but don't yeah. know how to put it on paper yeah. or have written a story already but don't know how to go about publishing it. Right. I can do either or process from beginning to end. Amazing. Um, I have one client uh, who just released their book uh, on the 16th. And they was ranked the number one new bestseller in two different genres. Um, and it's a great, great story as well. Um, the Fatherless Child by Anthony McKinney. Definitely encourage y'all to go tap in with that. It's a great read for sure. Wow. So, yeah, man, just running a couple of marathons, trying to get established. That's it, Good man. for you. Good for you. Uh, LaChance, so I'm a big fan of taking negatives and turning them into positives. And you definitely have done that. So certainly congratulations and uh, I think, but you know, putting you know, make putting your experience into a story is so important for us because uh, that's how we learn from one another, right? That's how we guard insights, information. So I'm glad that you did that. I'm glad that you uh, move forth to make something special happen for yourself. Uh, for for our listeners that want to learn more about you and your story, uh, where can we uh, where can we send them? Uh, for sure, man. The best search engine there is Google. Go to Google. Google Chancellor K Jackson or 14 Days in Beijing, everything you need will pop up. Website, my social media accounts, Amazon uh, links and pages, um, other interviews I've done. Um, you'll find everything you need. Just Google me. Listen, thank you for the time, my friend. This has been awesome. I think it's great that you're out here doing your thing the way you have been. Uh, and again, I'm just a, I'm just a big fan of sharing stories because there's so much learnings that come out of that. And, you know, again, when you're hearing someone's experiences, whether maybe maybe you're in it, like we said before, maybe you're in it yourself or maybe you uh, are, it's, it's, you know, it's, in, it's you know, on your horizon, if you will. But in either instance, it's so important to share stories. It helps us to learn. It helps us to understand and gain perspectives that we may not be aware of. So thank you for this. I appreciate the time and uh, keep doing your thing, my friend. All the best. For sure. And I just want to leave y'all with a quote um, by Nipsey Hussle um, that I feel like is a great representation of my journey. Okay. Um, especially um, it, in China. And it goes, you long-winded running through this life like it was mine. Never settling, but setting every goal high. 1,000 burpees on the path to my own self-destruction or success. But what's a mistake without the lesson? You see, the best teacher in life is your own experience. And none of us know who we are until we fail. They say every person is defined by their reaction to any given situation. So who would you want to define you? Someone else or yourself?
whatever you choose to do, homie, give your heart to it and stay strong. I love it. I love it. I love it. Chance, my friend. Thank you. Take care, my friend. All the best. Appreciate you. Back we are here on the podcast, and I really want to send my thanks and appreciation to Chancellor for, for stopping by, being here, sharing uh, your experiences. Thank you uh, so much for, for doing so. Of course, his book uh, is available now, 14 Days to Beijing, and it really expands on some of what you heard uh, in my conversation with him, uh, a really interesting story, and I encourage you to check it out. You know, when I think back to my, my chat with Can- Chancellor, he really left us with a, a lot of great nuggets of insight. But if there's just one thing that I would take from my conversation with him, it would be this. You know, similar to ripples in a pond, you know, our consequences to have actions and they spread, right? Just like the way that when you skim a rock uh, through the water, you see the, the ripples wave spread out. Uh, and whether we realize or not, everything we think uh, and say or do has consequences, which in turn help shape the, the future for ourselves as well as for others. Every action causes a consequence, whether either long or short term. And some of them are reversible, and some of them just can't be changed. Others are insignificant, having no importance uh, and, or impact on our lives, while others can impact us for the better or even the worst. Bearing that in mind, it's very important to remember that we cannot escape the consequences of these actions. You know, we're the ones that create our own destiny day after day, decision after decision, and action after audacious action. Hey, listen, if you haven't registered for email notifications of the podcast, please know that you can do so simply by heading over to bestaudaciouslife.com and all you got to do is enter in your email address and you'll be alerted every time we've got brand new content that comes out. Uh, We've sadly reached the end of another episode of the most audacious podcast the internet has to offer and as always I send a shout out and thanks to our amazing listeners and all those lovers of audaciousness for for rolling through and lending their tremendous support. It's always, always appreciated. Uh, If you happen to be listening on your favorite podcasting listening platform, I'd encourage that you leave a rating or a review. I'll be so much appreciated because that's what helps this platform grow. Until next time, stay safe, be kind, show love to one another, and be audacious. You've been listening to the Audacious Living Podcast, hosted by Audley Stevenson. If you enjoyed what you heard, be sure to like, subscribe, and share. Until next time, be audacious.